80% mental, 20% physical. I, I never ask my athletes, oh, you know, what did you do? You, you know, what did you do yesterday? Like, or what, like, what did you do last year? Yeah. That's, that, that has no relevance. The past is the past. Yeah, besides, of course, training purposes. But besides that, like, what can you do for me today? Yeah. Right? What can you do? What, what is your mindset? What are your goals today? I think to me, balance is the key. Balance is key. You know, you have to be able to like also unplug. Mm-hmm. Right? For, you know, like what I did was when I was here as a student, you know, is every Saturday, didn't matter how I did on a, on a, on a race, every Saturday I, I got a milkshake. <laughs> in the, in the, in Blake, right? Yeah. Every Saturday night I got a milkshake. Same thing when I was in college. Like every week I would just go out, hang out with my friends, unplug. Like to me, it's so important for, you know, today's athletes to find time to, you know, unplug, but also time to really care for themselves, you know, to, to do some self-care, mm-hmm. right? And to like, to nurture it. Because you also, ultimately what you want to do is you want to develop, uh, you know, not, not only like an, an undying commitment to your, to your sport, but also you want to develop love for it. Yeah, passion, a consistent passion. A consistent, absolutely. Hello and welcome back to the Bigger Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Zhao. And today I am very, very lucky to be joined with assistant cross-country coach, economics teacher, and former Gatorade Player of the Year, and also six-time All-American cross-country runner at Amherst College, Mohammed Hussain. Welcome to the podcast. How you doing? I'm doing well. Th- thank you for having me, Shannon. You want to uh, jump straight into it? Yeah, let's let's go. Let's get straight into so it. So yeah. first question for you is, what is your why? What is your purpose yeah so i mean um i just my purpose started actually in a small country in east africa it's called somaliland mm-hmm. uh, that's where i'm from that mm-hmm. i grew up there for 17 years yeah um and to me my purpose is always it's always been about giving back giving back um giving back and also leaving the, a, any place that i go to better than i found it mm-hmm. um you know i've had a lot of people that have poured into me mm-hmm. um i've so many people to be grateful for in my life. Um, mm. I went from, you know, staying at a public school with, uh, you know, little to no knowledge of, of the world, mm-hmm. uh, not speaking any English at all, mm-hmm. to, you know, to, to go into a boarding school, an American boarding school back home, and then coming to the U.S. Um, mm. You know, so I've, I've, at every step in my life, I've had people that have helped me mm-hmm. get to where I am. Uh, and the purpose of my life is to, to give back. To give um, back. And, to, and, right. and not only give back to people that have, given me so much and have helped me in my journey, but also to give forward to the next generation. Right. Uh, of, of, of leaders, the next generation of athletes, the next generation of, of Somaliland students as well. And is, do you say that's one of the main reasons that you decided to become a teacher? Absolutely, absolutely. And came back to NMH because um, NMH has given you a lot, right? Exactly, exactly, So yeah. what was the process of coming to NMH like at the start? Yeah, it was a, it was a long process, you know, a process mm-hmm. that I actually had no idea Mm. I would be at NMH, you know, mm. I, uh, I was in the public school system about my country, you mm-hmm. know, so my country is a little complicated. Yeah. So we, you know, we're a British colony. Yeah. And then we got our independence in 1960. Okay. And then we joined Somalia, mm-hmm. uh, which is a neighboring country uh, in 19, you know, 60, June 1960. And then, um, you know, that didn't work out. So in 1991, we became our own country again, once again. Okay. 
but we had a civil war for about you know 20 years mm. uh, and that civil war decimated everything in my country including the education oh, really? system oh okay uh you know so i was i the first kind of generation to go to school my mm -hmm. mom and my dad generation they were not really able to go to school continuously never uh no my mom never went to school my dad only uh, went to school up to eighth grade Oh, wow. And then his dad passed away, and so he had to take care of his family. So mm -hmm. he he dropped out of school uh, mm -hmm. essentially, mm -hmm. but they put so much emphasis. My parents put so much so much emphasis on education. Mm -hmm. They were like, we didn't have that education or the le level of education that we wanted. Mm -hmm. So we want you guys to have that and mm -hmm. score as far as you want with the education. Um, so I went to public school for eight years. Didn't really learn much, mm -hmm. but I was still you know happy to go to school. Yeah. Uh, and then I had an opportunity, a once once in a lifetime opportunity to go a new to go to a new boarding school, a new American boarding school called Abarsi School, mm -hmm. um, founded by a, an American guy. Mm -hmm. um, and it was the first cohort to go there, first students to go there. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, through him, through my head of school, Jonathan Starr, mm -hmm. I was able to find NMH mm. um, and got to know more about NMH. So I applied to NMH. Um, and I really, what you know, stood out to me was this, the history that this school has of accepting students from every walk of life, from every exactly. country, yeah. uh, of any, you know, of any background. Um, yeah. Students that, I think one of the first students that uh, uh, went to here were a former slave, right? So we have yeah. a history of acceptance here. So I was yeah. really intrigued by that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I applied to NMH. I got in March 10, 20, hmm. uh, 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. March uh, 10. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, from there on, it was, I think it's been a 10-year relationship between uh, NMH and I. Mm, yeah in, indeed and one of the main connections that you have right now with um the school and and sort of that you have to the school too is is cross country yeah absolutely that's one of your biggest main sports you would say right absolutely how did you first get into cross country and what was your yeah. high school cross country career like so i got into cross country by way of soccer really you know, that's my first <laughs> that's my first love uh soccer yeah. is you know all i've known and i've I played soccer since i was like five years old yeah um, and then, you know, the summer that I got into NMH, as I said before, March 10, then that summer mm -hmm. of 2012, mm -hmm. Grant Gonzalez, who's now the assistant head of school for Campus Life, yeah. he came to my school. Mm. He was like, I want to know who this kid is. I want to know where he comes from. Mm. So he did a professional development, uh, you know, as teachers do over the summer. Interesting. Okay. To come to my school and to ah. get to know me. Uh, Just to know you. Yeah. That's and to, and to kind of, yeah, to kind of, you know, um, tell me about NMH as well, because I had no idea about NMH. Besides yeah. the website, you know, what the website yeah. tells you. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, yeah. Um, so he came to my country and then he was like, hey, you know, he's the assist he was the head of uh, cross country coach. Yeah. And he still is. So he was like, you know, um, would you be interested in running? And I was like, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> so he organized a race. Yeah. Um, and that was the first time ever that I ran, ran a race. Um, and I ended in, up actually- Cross country? I, yeah, cross country. So is it, it was a 5K. Is just, just in your school or just across Just within country? my school. Okay. Um, and I actually ended up running also one more one more race was uh, I, my, my my only marathon ever mm. was back home mm. um, and I did that that was the, f the only marathon I ever <laughs> ran so I also did that off of no training no training and That's I got insane. I got 12 in that run yeah wow and that was across the, uh, everyone That's in my country. country yeah it was like across the country That's yeah. insane with no training with no, with no training yeah number 12 already. yeah yeah so That's insane. I kind of knew I, I knew I, you know if I applied myself I would be a good runner with yeah. my soccer background as well. Yeah, so of course. With soccer, I played, uh, I was a different, I was uh, center, uh, not Wait, a center fullback? back. Uh, fullback, yeah. Yeah, fullback does the most <laughs> It's just back and forth all the time. It's insane. Yeah, so I ran a lot, you it know. And a lot, so yeah. it, it, 
it was an easy. I would, I would say it was easy a, transition. You know, it's an easy transition from there. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. And you came here, and then uh, so how how was your high school cross country career like? Because you know, yeah, you did end up winning the Gatorade Player of the Year. Yeah. Eventually. So it was you know I I would say it started off as you know I was shocked when I first came here because the facilities, mm-hmm. you know, the coaching is a high caliber. The teammates. Yeah. You know, I was like, I was like, wow, like I finally have structure and I also have the resources that I need to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, like I just, I, it was, I, prog- you know, I progressed like crazy. Um, so mm. my first, I think my first race, I want to say I was third in the, in the, or f- third or fourth in the team. Mm, okay. And then by the time by like my second or third race, I was mm. the first, I was, I was our, the top runner in the, in, the, in the team. Already? Yeah. Within like, you know, within weeks or a month <laughs> or a month. So. Do you, um, think, and then do, you, do you think that's just genetics or do you think I, that's wouldn't, just I would say like soccer? I would say it's, you know, it's partly could be genetics, but it's also like having the environment. I, I needed that an environment that I had mm-hmm. the resources to succeed, mm-hmm. you know, so I had the shoes, I had shoes now and I had mm-hmm. like all the equipment that I needed. I had the training that I, a coach that, ha, you know, has a training plan for me. Yeah. And the teammates that also pushed me, uh, you know, day, day in and day out. Uh, you know, so I think that the environment, a lot of it was had to do with the environment, mm-hmm. and then with my drive. Like I really wanted to be the best. You know, I was like I, I every race, every workout, I had a drive to, to succeed. Not only to be the you know to do well in that, but to be the best at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so those things you know combined, you know, helped me with it. And then by the end of the season, I remember I had this <laughs> this interesting conversation with Grant. So mm-hmm. we were at New Englands. Um, it was at Loomis. Yeah. Uh, my this is my first year at NMH, my junior year. Yeah, um, and you know, Grant is not expecting anything out of me. He's like, you know, hey, go out there, have you have you know, do your best. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, Grant, I'm gonna get like, I'm gonna get top five. <laughs> <laughs> you know, told him. I told him, I, I told him straight. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna get top five. Like, he's like, okay, like just don't worry about that. Just have, go out and have fun. <laughs> go for it, yeah. And I just I went out there, the leading group. I trusted myself. I went out with them. I stuck with them, and I ended up getting third. Wow. Yeah, you know, so that was my first, my first, you know, my first year, you know, and, and then from there, it just developed. My, uh, then my senior year, you know, I wanted to mm-hmm. to do the best I could. And for me, it was like, okay, like, I know I had to, now, now I know what uh, New England's looks like. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I need to win New England's uh, as an individual, but also just try to see what I can do every race. Um, and I was, I would like to say that I went undefeated, <laughs> but Exeter, you know, Exeter might say otherwise. Because <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Uh, it was a, a lot of antics, you know, so that year that's, um, you know, we always have a race with Exeter every season. Um, yeah. That season was away. It was at Exeter. Yeah. Uh, and it just happened to be that, you know, our top, our, our other two guys that was, you know, we had a top three. It was me, Estevan and Henry, our top three. And then it was a drop from there. Yeah. Um, so we were like top heavy, top heavy team, um, and you know Henry and Estevan were injured. Mm-hmm. They were not. They were not competing that day. They were not racing mm-hmm. that day. So it was me versus five Exeter guys, mm. and they had a plan for me. I could, I could, you know, I could tell from the onset of that of that race because they had two guys mm-hmm. that were made maybe their fourth, fourth and fifth guy just go out fast, like go out crazy, just to, to bait me. To make me like you know to rattle me, to uh to get me out of my race my race plan, they were like I'm gonna we're gonna just have these guys go out crazy at a crazy pace and wow. see and see if he goes with them, 
And I was like, I'm not going with those guys. I know those guys are not better than me. So they will come back to me. So I let yeah. them, let, we let them go. And then, you know, within a mile, a mile in, we passed those guys. They were, they were, you know, they were dead. Yeah. And then three guys, it was me and three guys and three Exeter guys. And Exeter, the Exeter course is like when you get into the woods, we have sections of the woods that are really narrow. You can only have two guys running like next to each other. So what they did was, you know, I was trying to, you know, I was running as usual and, and you know, uh, just just trying to pace myself and, and worry about my own race plan. Yeah. But they had, they were like pushing me in the, in the, in the woods, really? you know, like elbowing me, you know, trying to like, you know, uh, basically, you know, have like two guys, yeah. you know, squeeze me in between two guys. Yeah. Um, you know, and thankfully I, I, you know, I just stuck, I stuck to my race plan. I didn't really worry about them. And then Is we that allowed you can, can you really elbow someone? You else? can't, it, it's not necessarily, it's not part, it's not sportsmanship like conduct. Yeah. Right. But to them, that was part of their plan. That was part of their race plan, huh. uh, you know, to get me off, to rattle me, to play mind games with me, you know. And um, I ended up like, you know, just ignoring those all of their antics. Um, mm-hmm. And then we come out of the woods. And mm-hmm. when we come out of the woods, you have maybe about, you know, 300, 400 meters left of the race, of the whole race. And we, when we come out of the woods, there, there was a, there's a, the, this telephone pole that's right there. And one of the guys blocked me. I was, I was trying to go across the telephone, around the telephone pole. And he blocked me. And then another guy ran by me, you know, so it was a strategy. And then I chased down the other Exeter t- number one guy and I got him at the line. But the Exeter coach was, the, was there. He was the referee. He was the one that was, you know, making those decisions. And he was like, Exeter one. <laughs> <laughs> and I lost it. That was the only time that I lost my cool in a cross country race ever. That's, that's insane. That was the only that's, time. That sounds ridiculous, yeah. man. Yeah. That's a crazy story. I I, I didn't know even cross country in sports <laughs> like that, would, there, there would be such you know, such conducts. I thought it would just be like it, a pretty individual sport. I didn't it's usually it. clean, but there yeah. are times, especially in the woods, when people, when anyone, no one can see you, it's only you and the, the competitor, your competitors. You know, there are guys that like to, uh, you know, to play dirty, to play dirty, and to yeah. to play mind games and yeah. try to like, you know, try to get guys out of their game. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of, because one thing I heard a lot from what you just said is getting you off your mind and giving getting mind games, playing mind games. Yeah. I think mindset is perhaps one of the most important things in in, in a sport like cross country because it's yeah, it's eighty percent eighty percent mental, twenty percent physical. How did you develop that quote? Um, it's just from my from experience, mm-hmm. you know, because for me, like, it starts with preparation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anytime that you are thinking, even before you think about a race, what a race plan, your, your race plan is, um, you have to visualize it. Mm-hmm. And my my college coach was really big into visualization, mm-hmm. you know. So before a race, we'll close our, we'll have you know a mental visualization uh, exercise for thirty minutes, mm-hmm. visualizing every part of that race that we'll be uh, doing the next day. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, like the mental is so important to cross country because you can have two two two, two runners mm-hmm. that are of the same talent, the same t- level of talent. Mm-hmm. Even maybe one is more talented than the other yeah. one, but if one of them is mentally weak mm-hmm. or mentally cannot like, you know, visualize how they would like execute a race plan, the one that's more mentally tough will does better a thousand percent of the time. That's so interesting. I mean, speaking of visualization, you visualize for half an hour. What specifically do you visualize? You're visualizing. What kind of instructions yeah. does, does he give? Yeah, to he's, he's, you're looking at like, you know, what 
your place is going to be look like like what how are you going to be like running not only alongside your teammates but also in comparison to the other teams mm-hmm. you know so at the mail at the mile mark you know you should be next to this guy you visualize you coming through that mile mark in you know 449 or 450 mm-hmm. next to their number one mm-hmm. right so you're picturing not only yourself doing that and like your own pace but also the person that's going to be next to you mm-hmm. and what they you know uh, what they also will be doing you know so it's Part of it also to get us, you know, to, to get us thinking about competition, uh, you know, because I think a lot of people with, with cross country, mm-hmm. you can think about it as, a, as an individual sport. Mm-hmm. For me, I always thought about it as a as a as a team as a sport? team sport, really? because I I I needed the other guys on the other teams to also be on their on their you know on their at their best. For mm-hmm. me to, to for me to go to, you know, to go to my to the levels that I wanted to go. You want to be challenged? I, I couldn't be. I couldn't do that on my own. Mm. I needed competition to make me better. That's very interesting that you brought up. You need competition to make you better. I love that. Absolutely, quote. and you cannot shy away from that. So the way I think about it is, if you want competition to make you better, you have to be mentally ready for that. Mm. You have to be mentally ready for someone else to be put to be pushing you, and to push someone else. Right? It's so easy to be in your mind in your little comfort in your comfort zone when you are running on your own. Exactly, and to t- tell your mind, your mind's gonna, and to have your mind dictate what you want to do next. Oh, like I'm so tired now. Let me take the next, you know, two <laughs> yeah. minutes easy. Easy, yeah. Your mind can dictate that for you. Yeah. Right, but you also, but you can also be in a situation where your mind is telling your body what to do. You, you know, and you can tell your your mind is telling you, you know, you have to catch that guy. That guy is not better than you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know, you have to get him. You know, and, and you know, it, this happens with uh, track a lot because you can see track, right? You can see everyone and how they're doing, in, uh, you know, at, at a track meet. Yeah. Uh, but within cross country as well, like you have strategy. A lot of it also strategy. You know, a lot we we think about. We always think of cross country as a sport that's like mundane and monotonous and the same thing all over. You know, you know, the same thing for five k. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not true. You have mm-hmm. to plan out. What are you gonna do at the mile for the first mile mark? Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do at the second mile mark? What mm-hmm. are you gonna do over the next, uh, you know, twelve hundred meters? Mm-hmm. You have to plan everything. You out. have to plan, yeah. yeah Planning it's, is important, it's, and you have to execute it. And for me, like that's why I think a lot of it, eighty percent of it, is mental because without that mental preparation, you know, to not only push yourself, but also to be uh, to be pushed by someone else, mm-hmm. you will not reach your potential in cross country. Or, or in running in general. That's fascinating that you that you brought that up. I can totally relate to that. I feel that that that's very true. I feel like because um, I I I never really ran cross country because I I am not a you know big runner myself. But the part when you mentioned how when you see other people running past you and then that triggers you and says, oh no, I I, I can't let that person be better than me. Like sometimes you'll be running laps for soccer or something yeah. like that or competitive running sometimes or yeah. swimming even before I even d- did that. You know, when I saw that, suddenly there's that extra feel. And that extra feel came in um, not because like I wasn't trying hard, but it's just like I set a limitation to myself. I set a limitation 
and I told myself that's the maximum I can give. But that actually is a lie because that's probably like 50%. Because when yeah. you're just, like you said, that was great. We When you're by yourself, it's easy to take on you. But when, when there's other people, there's another factor. It's triggering that yourself. So you realize it forces, it sort of opens, it forces the door open for you. But then that's, but then nothing has changed. You're still you and you still have that potential in you at the mm. start. But you just never access it. And, and that's the biggest thing is like a lot of us we 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 limit ourselves instead of you know just just unlocking our potential yeah unlocking our potential and yeah and do you think this sort of this came to you as you sort of eventually developed down the cross country path and is that sort of why you decided to stick to cross country um, because cross country is in the same season as soccer right? yeah yeah to pick cross country over soccer it was sport you loved yeah you know it's really tough right. I think it was for me, it was hard, but it was also an easy decision because for me, really? soccer was the known. Mm. I knew everything about soccer. Mm. I knew what I would be doing. I knew what that looked like. You know, cross country was the unknown. Mm -hmm. That was outside of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to push myself. I wanted to put, go out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. You know, and for me, cross country, like, you know, I would say I've, without have, having a cross country, mm -hmm. I don't think I'll be the person that I am today. Right, because it also mm. it unlocked me another side of me. Mm. It helped me get to know myself better. Interesting. As as a person, not only as a runner but also as a person. Uh, you know, so in some ways it was difficult because you know soccer was my first love. Mm -hmm. But then, in many ways, it was easy because I was like, I I don't know what I would be what cross country would look like for me. Mm. I don't know how you know successful I could be in that sport. Mm. There were so many unknowns, so many unknown variables there mm -hmm. that actually. That drew me in, that intrigued me. That was like I'm, I'm a very curious person, so like that that really was like, you know what? It, like I was like, okay, what can I do? I have two years here. Like I don't know what I can. I, I was soccer. I can maybe I, I, I maybe I could have been maybe on the team a little bit on the varsity team here and there. Maybe I could have helped them a little bit. I, you know, but I had a ceiling in some ways because I've been playing that, for that, that sport for a long time. And you know, you sort of couldn't move that up that much. I, but at least I knew what that would look like. Mm. Like I kind of knew what the ceiling was in a little bit, in, in some ways, right? Mm. With Cross Country, I had no idea mm. what my ceiling was. Uh, and for me, that's why like, I'm a big believer in, you know, student athletes trying out different sports mm. in today's world where everything is, everyone's trying to specialize in one sport. I'm a huge believer in diversifying the sports that you try out. But once you sort of found your sport, do you think you should still dedicate yourself to it? Or? I, I definitely did. Yeah, I mean, I you know, for me, like once I committed to it, once I knew cross country was like, it, it's for you. It clicked. It it definitely, I definitely, I would say that. But also, mm. like it was with each week, with each workout that I did, with each race that I, uh, you know, I I did. I wanted a little more. Mm. For me, I was never satisfied, and that's one thing I think that I. Um, you know, I, I, I tell my athletes today is like, you can never be satisfied with how you ran yesterday, mm -hmm. how you did a workout. You know, you can be, I think, you know, you can, you can take the positives out of it, right? You, you can like say like, okay, like I did a good job today. But mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't say that, that was great. Right, because that puts a limit on you. Yeah. Right? For me, like I, you know, I, I never wanted, I never told myself, okay, like, you know, that's your, high, that's your ceiling. Like I, you know, you, Today you won, you know, you won the league. You you won your league meet. That's the best. The best. That's the best you can do. Like I always wanted to find another challenge. Mm. 
And that's what kept me going. You know what I mean? And I think that for me, cross country is always uh, symbolized that. Like this, this idea of continuous, better. a continuous Conti- challenge. Yeah. Continuous improvement. Exactly. Yeah. Because there is no sort of end to cross country. You can always be, beat your second by millisecond. Exactly. And that's what, that's for me what the, you know, where the individual improvement comes in as well. Like the focus on the individual is you can always beat you know, your, 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 your yesterday self, mm-hmm. right? You can always set out to do better than you did yesterday, mm. you know? And then if you have that goal, you will be able to improve, you know, by the end of the season, right? But if you have, if you, if you just think about the season as, right. as three months, you always think, oh, I'm, I want to like, I have a goal of, you know, in three months, I want to be here. You most likely will not get, we're not going to be able to get there unless you're pushing yourself, you, you're telling yourself, yeah, I want to do better than unless, yesterday. Unless you have a very specific plan for every single day. Do you know uh, Atomic Habits' his book? Yeah. It talked about like the bicycle team at the start, the very first example about the 1% improvement um, yes. that they, the approach that they did. And that I sort of took that approach to soccer too. And I've improved so much because every day I'm not just going there to just, you know, just, just train. I, yeah. I'm there for an intention to them getting better at this. You know, and, and everyone can do that. In basketball today, I'm just going to increase my three-point shooting accuracy or I just want to work on my left left hand hook shot or something like that. Or just every sport can do that. But but it's like a lot of athletes, they, um, they don't realize this and, and they're missing out on such a great opportunity because, you, because if you set a goal that's like a year down the line, you don't yeah. know how to measure. Exactly. It's hard to measure. Exactly, yeah. And, but it, but the real measurement comes from the daily improvement, and and what happens with the daily improvement, most likely exceeds your expectation, unless your expectation is like oh, right <laughs> there, but, <laughs> but but I mean, how did you feel when you won the Gatorade Player of the Year, though? Do you feel? Yeah. <laughs> did you feel like you you deserved it, or did you, were you surprised, or? No, so I, that's a, you know I'll give you a little more context to that. So, you know, the season ends for us in November, like you no know, middle of November, mm-hmm. and then. The po- we have the postseason, you know, and we have, you know, we've had athletes that have done it. Um, so we usually have two options. You can go to Gator, the, uh, you know, Gatorade um, regionals, you know, yeah. or, or like um, you can either go, to, you can do either Nike regionals, mm-hmm. right? Or, um, you know, you can like do, you know, what's, uh, what New Banas organizes another, like another similar race. So mm-hmm. you can either do the New Banas one or the, or, or the Nike one. Yeah. Right. Um, so I want to actually not not New Balance uh, Foot Lockers. Okay. You can either do Foot Locker regionals or Nike regionals. Nike is usually teams. Foot Lockers are usually individuals. Mm-hmm. So I went. You know, I was like, okay, like I know what I have done in this league. Mm-hmm. Right. I've I got first my senior year, so I know. Okay, like I I can measure myself against other t- other guys in the league. Mm-hmm. I wanted to test myself out in the region. Mm. So how good am I? And to me, that's like you you can't you can't always there's always another level to tap into, right? You can always like, if you, your yesterday's comfort zone, you can't, you can't be in yesterday's comfort zone, right? Mm-hmm. Today's comfort zone, you know, um, today's challenge should be tomorrow's comfort zone. Mm-hmm. That, so that was my approach and the way, the, the way I thought about it. So I went to Foot Lockers. It was held in New York, uh, 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 Fan Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, like this is the best athletes, best cross country runners, in the New England region, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Connecticut, mm-hmm. Massachusetts, mm-hmm. New York, mm-hmm. um, Vermont, mm-hmm. 
New Hampshire, mm-hmm. right? The best in this region. You know, so I was like, okay, let me test. I did public school students as well, public school mm-hmm. runners. We, we never compete against them. Mm-hmm. So I was so interested in just seeing how I would do, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I tested myself out and I ended up getting uh, 13th overall. Mm. And I was the first runner from Massachusetts to finish in that race, oh, public okay. or private. Okay. You know. 13th in, in the nation. In, in New England. In New England? New England, New okay. England region, yeah. Okay. And... The top 10 go to nationals. So I was not able to go to nationals. Oh, you know, so I was off slightly. But, you know, I was able to like test myself against the best competition that this, our state has to offer, Massachusetts has to offer. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, another lesson that I'm, I'm, we do one, now we have one, uh, we have one meet that we just went to one meet this, uh, this season against public schools. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. To me, like we, we want to be able to get out of our comfort zone because our, our league kind of sometimes can become our comfort zone as well. Yeah. Right. So I got. I was able to get out of my. So yeah. Good, yeah. Huh? You see Exeter every year and over the same teams, right? Yeah. Um, so I was. I was so happy. You know, grateful to be able to participate in that race, and I. You know, I was happy with getting thirteenth. Uh, but I still. I was still not satisfied because, I, I didn't make the nationals. Right. Still I didn't make nationals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's how I ended up getting, you know, Gator uh, Athlete of the Year for, um, for Massachusetts. Uh, right. It was being a top runner. In the region at uh, the full locker meet. Interesting, interesting. Or top uh, top runner for Massachusetts. I mean, okay, yeah, okay. Um, I think that's sort of like a perfect jump board to sort of go into your college career and also go into teaching because um, that's sort of a big part that you decided to go on. So so yeah. during college, you definitely you said you won the All American six times. How did yeah. how how did that work? So <laughs> you know, with college, you you do you know. But cross country, of course, and, and then you know, for at the end of the cross country season, you have the uh, the option or not the option, the opportunity to go to nationals. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's same thing with with you know the the footlocker regionals. So we have you know the the regional meet. You have your league meet, right? For after your league meet that year, my uh, but oh, every year that I've I was at Amherst College, we went to we made the that national meet. Mm-hmm. But I, prior to that, I, I don't think we made nationals for nine years. Oh really? You know, and then and that's part of the challenge that that the reason why I wanted to go to Amherst. So it's like, okay, this school is a school that I can make immediate impact. Mm. It's a school that I haven't been able to reach the the levels that they want to reach. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was like, okay, it's a, it's a project. Like yeah. it's you know, I, I could have gone to a D school where I would have been maybe you know, I don't know a middle of the pack guy. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't have had as much of impact. But I was like, okay, it's a Division three school, but it also gives me gives me opportunity. To, to test myself every single day and to like put pressure on myself to help this team succeed. Would uh, you say that's that's even more challenging because you you sort of lose the competitiveness uh, spot in, in some sense if you know what I mean because you don't have you're not competing against people around you you're competing against your head and you're competing against. Um, this idea that you 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 have to carry this weight on their shoulder to to take this this school for it, you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's yeah. harder for you in practice because you, I don't know about the Amherst team, but from what you're sort of describing is you're sort of like the impact player. So as an impact player, you you sort of are the star, and you you you're, you 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 are better in some sense, right? Or but I, yeah, I, but at the Yes, and on paper, right? Yeah. But I, for me, my mentality was, like, I, I want to prove myself every day. 
Mm. My mentality was like, oh, I mean, I forgot about the Gatorade Athletes of the Year. The mm. moment I, the moment I was done with NMH, I'm like, that, that's, that, that's what I did at NMH, right? Uh-huh. That's what I did at NMH. That's what I did in high school. That's the past, <laughs> right? So I was like, let me test myself out in the college setting, mm. in a college setting, and and Amherst was the perfect place because I had a coach mm. that was an elite athlete himself. Mm. Like you know, I'm talking about um, like like he almost on a, he went to the Olympics. Olympic trials. Wow. Right. And he was one of the best runners of his time. Mm-hmm. You know, so he pushed me every single day. Mm. He, you know, he was like, no, like, that's not good enough, man. Like, you can do better than that. <laughs> you know, so having that, having that coach that set the tone and then like setting, like setting goals every single day of like, I want to prove myself that, you know, I'm, I'm not, not only the, you know, the best athlete, um, you know, on the team, right. But I'm also the best athlete on campus. Like I wanted to mm. kind of continue, continually improve, but also like not, not like, you know, sit on my laurels and say, oh, like I've, I did this, I did that. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that, that's things that I don't, I, I never ask my athletes, oh, you know, what did you do, you, you know, what did you do yesterday? Like, or what, like, what did you do last year? Cause yeah. that's, that, that has no relevance. The past is the past. Yeah. Besides, of course, training purposes, but besides that, like, what can you do for me today? Yeah. Right. What can you do? What, what is your mindset what are your goals today mm. you know what what can you what are you like what do you want to do today uh, so that's how i took it and initially actually my coach was like okay like i'm not gonna it's like i know you're talented but i want i want to put with you this with the second group the second training group mm-hmm. right so i was not training with the the top guys in the team i was really? training with the top the second tier for the first few months and i was still doing i was still you know um Doing better than first team guys? Yeah, I was still like coming first for the team every race. <laughs> but I still, in training, I still wanted to prove myself every day. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like, you know, come, come Saturday, I'm competing against everyone. So, you know, that, that's the setting where I want to like do, you know, be, be first place. But, but why did your coach want to let you train with the second team? For, because of my running history. Right? At that point, I've only been running for two years. Hmm. So he but was you like, were the Gatorade player. Yeah, off of like running a year and a half. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, so he was like, you know, I don't want to like, I don't want you just to be jumping into running eighty miles a week. These guys are doing running eighty between eighty and hundred miles a week. Wow, that's insane. It's like you know, I, I, you're, you're in high school, you're running like forty miles a week. Yeah, let's make the jump from forty to sixty miles a week. That's fair. Yeah, you know, so he he you know he was very like. Pragmatic, uh, okay. but he also saw. He also saw the. He had a, the bigger, you know, the big, the, the bigger, bigger picture. picture. <laughs> he had the bigger pictures as well. So of your future. Yeah, exactly. In mind. Yeah. Very interesting. And speaking of okay, um, coaching, because you did mention how your coach envisioned this for you. Do you sort of do the same for your athletes? Do you try to um, spend a lot of time with individual time and sort of set individual plans for them to set to reach their um, goals? Absolutely, you know. And our part of this is also, you know, Grant is the one that has had this program in place for a while, mm-hmm. you know. But where I come in is, I think for me, I can relate to these athletes. One, being an NMH student, right? Being an NMH alum and knowing what that looks like on day to day basis, knowing mm-hmm. the things that they have to juggle, you know, juggle between classes and you know, uh, uh, social commitments and clubs and all those things. And then still, when you come to practice, I want them to maximize their time. Mm. 
Mm. I don't want to be. I don't want them to be standing around. I don't want them <laughs> yeah. to be like I, you know. I tell them like you need to read the. You know, we send out a plan <laughs> a week ahead, or we mm. try to send out a plan the week before. So this is your plan for the week. Yeah, it's individualized. Individualized, okay. To every kid and what they will be doing on every single day. Mm-hmm. So read the plan beforehand. Come to practice, ready to do what you know what we told you or what we you know what we talked about mm-hmm. the week before, uh, the week prior. And then another, another piece is communication. Which I think I really appreciate, um, you know, the way that Grant approaches that mm. is it's a two-way communication, right? So, as an athlete, I know my body the best. I know my limits the best. Yeah, I know what works for me the best, right? So if I'm not sharing that information with my coach, you know, I'm not going to be able to really get much out of the training because mm-hmm. the training is being designed by the coach, right? But we also want input from the athletes. Okay, so what do you like? You know, let's talk about what you did uh, last week. Mm-hmm. You know, what are like? You know, do you have any current things that are like uh, any nagging injuries? Do you have any? Um, you know, how are you like? Uh, how's your training block? Have you been like you know running like continuously for three weeks and four weeks, and now do you need a day of rest here? Um, how is your mental? Right? Um, are you like in a mental uh, in a clear mental space? Mm-hmm. Um, so just having that communication that, that I think to me The human connection Is what makes coaching Really really interesting Like mm-hmm. because At the end of the day We're coaching hu- we, Like we're, it's humans Coaching humans mm-hmm. Right um, So You can have the most Detailed plans The most detailed training But if mm-hmm. you are not Connecting with that person On a human level If you're not connecting To your athlete On a human level mm-hmm. And if you don't know What they're doing like What's going on with them At home Mm-hmm. If you don't know what's going on in their personal life, mm-hmm. you know that, then you're you're really missing the mark as a coach. That's true. You know, and I think for me, like, we, I really love coaches that are that know about people's like you know, um, not necessarily their private life, but they know like you know the, yeah. they know your like Chinese birthday, or mm-hmm. I know where Chinese comes from. I know what Chinese uh, favorite food is. Mm. You know, I know what they where they call home. Mm. Um, you know, I know what what you know things that they're into outside of soccer. Mm. Interesting. That personal relation relationship, uh, you know, and the human touch, the human connection goes a long way in maximizing talent. Mm. Definitely, because I, I loved how you phrase it: coaches, coaches, coaching humans, humans coaching humans. Exactly. Um, but that's the one of the hardest part. You would say, right? Is uh, how 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 can you, as a coach? build that level of trust of communication. So what is your approach to sort of get through that barrier? Because there is definitely that barrier as a coach and yeah. as a you know, student, there's always that you know, difference in there, obviously. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that you want to do as a coach is, you know, make goals with this, with this athlete, right? So when you're making like goals for the season, when you're thinking about like their their prog- progression as an athlete, you want them to be the ones that are actually sitting down and making those decisions with you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So we have every se- like you know at the beginning of every season we mm-hmm. do go a goal setting exercise. Mm-hmm. So what is your individual goal for this season, mm-hmm. and what is also your team goal? Mm-hmm. And we hold them accountable to those, mm-hmm. right? So I think accountability to me like it's also like yes like let's set goals together, but then how do you keep each other accountable? How do you keep the student athlete accountable? Mm-hmm. 
right? And and that accountability, accountability, accountability piece is really really important because you know you can uh, you know not not you know you will not be able to your best every single day, right? But if you are always reminded of hey, this is what this is the level that you can go to, right? This is what you did yesterday. This is what you did the day before. We keep a training log so mm-hmm. student athletes can see the runners can see what they did last week, what they did a month before. Mm-hmm. They can see okay, like I was, you know, I ran, uh, you know, this, this specific, you know, pace l- last week. I can do not if not that same pace, but I can even do better than that, mm. right? So I think also like having, like you know, a training log for them, like keeping, keeping, they, you know, keeping a record of what they do every single day, really helps the communication and accountability piece. Definitely. Yeah, and what, what, on the point of training log, I I love this. Um, I wish uh, every sports team is sort of taking your approach of the human approach and also the uh, setting accountable goals. I, th- I feel like that would really help a lot of athletes. But what what do you put on the training log? Is it just your speed, or do you put other factors like how are you feeling today? Uh, yeah, so I think with you know with when we were doing it for me in college, I think it was a lot, a lot more about like someone's like what they did on on every day, but also their their psychology, how they were feeling, like the things, and that was kind of more of a private log. But the ones that we have here is a public training log, mm-hmm. so everyone can see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But so it's more of like the mileage um, that you logged. The workouts that you did, mm-hmm. right? The races, the results from the races that that we had. But I think the feeling and, and the, you know, and how you, the even the, if you're injured and those things, that that's more of like the things that we communicate with athletes every single day. Mm-hmm. So when you come in, you check in with us, you know, every single day. Okay, like how are you feeling today? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you have any things that you're you're working through, mm-hmm. either mentally, emotionally, but also physically, right? Do you, you need to go to the trainers? Those are like the, 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 the communication that we do on a daily basis. But the training log is just a physical record of all the mileage, mileage that you ran, all the workouts you did, mm-hmm. and all the races you ran as well. So just keeping a record of, you know, their, of, of not only their training, but the, uh, you know, their, their, their results that they've had, you know, in, you know, from the last year, from the previous season. Yeah. Yeah. And not only do you sort of train their goal setting and train their um, physical abilities, mental, as you mentioned at the start of the podcast, mental is 80% of sports, and that's perhaps one of the most important aspects. How do you coach um, your athletes about mindset, about developing their mental strength to deal with such a challenging sport? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for me it starts off with, you know, setting the right priorities mm-hmm. as a as a student athlete. Mm. You know, so many times we have we come we see student athletes, and you know we are in a at a high school setting. So we, you know you will see a variety of student athletes. You're not looking at uh, athletes that are like at the next level, or college college level athletes. There are some that are like that, but if you look at, we start with sleep, mm. something as simple as sleep. Every single day, oh, how many hours of sleep did you get last night? Mm. You know, oh, I got six hours, or oh, I got five hours. For you to be at, an opt, at your optimal level as a runner, you need at least nine hours of sleep. Nine hours. Right? Mm. Like eight to nine hours. Eight to nine. And that's even way more important, you know, two nights before a race. So on a Thursday, when you have a race on Saturday, the Thursday night, 
you need to get at least nine or 10 hours, right? And many times we see athletes that are like, you know, cutting corners. Yeah. Right. They are hanging there on their phone. They are playing video games. Mm. And it's so easy to see that the next day or the, or the, or, or the next week, because, you know, they're lackluster. They're not able to perform to their, to their, you know, abilities or even beyond their abilities. Um, so that starts with setting the right priorities. Mm-hmm. So what do you prioritize? Are you prioritizing your sleep? Are you prioritizing hydration and, and stretching and doing the, you know, the little things we call it, you know, we call it the little things. Mm-hmm. The little things are like stretching mm-hmm. core, right. Um, you know, like just having some time to like visualize your race plan and mentally really shutting down, like just, you know, just shutting your mental, ment- like, you know, your, your mind down before a race. Mm-hmm. The night before a race, the week before a race, and just like, you know, just not really do, doing too much thinking about the race, but yeah. just allowing yourself to just like, you know, calm down. Um, so those things like, what are you, are you prioritizing those things? Are you prioritizing the little, doing the little things? Mm-hmm. Are you prioritizing getting the right amount of sleep? Yeah. You know, eating. Eating right. Right, yeah. eating right. Mm-hmm. So, that's to me an indication of how someone is, you know, how they will do as an athlete, or or how someone is take how serious they're taking their sport, right? If 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 the only time you think about cross country, the only time you're doing cross country is when you are running with us, you're not gonna go far. Mm-hmm. If the only training you do, not physical training, right? But the only like you know, active thinking about running you do is when you're only running with the team, you're not going to go far, mm-hmm. right? Because there's way more than, uh, more, more, more training, you know, what you do behind the scenes, what you do mm-hmm. when you are running, what, you know, what you do when you're not running is equally important what you do when you are running. Definitely, definitely. I, I, I loved how, how you phrased it. Yeah, because game competition, it's, there's a there's a phrase in Chinese. It's like um, five minutes of performance is ten years of work under the stage. Absolutely, it's all about the preparation. It's all about the 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 little things of of how how they approach their daily life, what their mindset is thinking of, what their mind is on, and but then on the point of um, mindset, you know, yeah, there's definitely you want to encourage and and build that level of commitment. But overcommitment sometimes may lead to burnouts and, mm. uh, you know, like those type of things. And that may happen sometimes. So how do you sort of find the balance between, yeah, yeah. you know, um, committed athlete and then a burnt out? I, that's a great question. I think it's also important now with, you know, the rise and I think the, the, the mental health, right? The mental yeah. health being really uh, an important issue that's being brought up right now with yeah. like in athletics yeah. uh, over in general. Yeah. I think you can, you know, we can get obsessive. We can right? get obsessive, yeah. Someone can get really obsessive about their training, about their raising. Yeah. And then that can cause them anxiety, right? That can cause them stress and do, I know, uh, stress that's not healthy. Yeah. You know, for, so I think, you, you know, you're, yes, you want to be able to, you, you should be prioritizing, you know, um, you should be doing things outside of your, you know, your, the hours that you train. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you have to have things that, you also have to have a balance have time for socialization, mm-hmm. right? Have time for downtime, mm-hmm. right? So I think to me, 
balance is the key. Balance is key. You know, you have to be able to like also unplug, mm-hmm. right? For you know, like what I did was when I was here, a student. You know, is every Saturday. Didn't matter how I did on a on a, on a race. Every Saturday, I, I got a milkshake. <laughs> in the in the in Blake, right? Yeah. Every Saturday night, I got a milkshake. Same thing when I was in college. Like every week, I would just go out, hang out with my friends, unplug. Like to me, it's so important for you know today's athletes to find time to you know unplug, but also time to really care for themselves. You know, t- to do some self care, mm-hmm. right? And to like to nurture because you also ultimately what you want to do is you want to develop. Uh, you know, not not only like an, an undying commitment to your to your sport, but also you want to develop love for it. Yeah, passion, a consistent passion. Consistent, absolutely. That that can last for a long time, but a uh, life lifelong passion. Exactly, and you cannot do that if you are really obsessive about it. You mm-hmm. know, in a, in a way that's above and beyond. Yeah, right. I think that's, for me, consistency is different than it's different from ob- obsession. Right, I know with that it's different with, with it's different with professional sports, right? Uh, as a professional, like that's all you do on day to day basis. We're talking about high school athletes here, mm-hmm. but people that are developing. And I mean, even for professional athletes too, they take a lot of time to unplug too. They take breaks. They they go out with their families, spend time downtime yeah. too. You look at top athletes; they like some do it on extremes, and you you see how they sort of fall off. But right, every athlete. Does, does unplug, exactly. Spends time with their family. Spends time with having a personal life too. Yeah, that's 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 an important thing because like athletes are not just athletes. Like we're still humans, you know. Absolutely. We, yeah. We can't just like forget about our human instincts and just focus on sports. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah, for me that's you're, you're you hit it you hit it right on the head. You know that's you have to f- be able to like when you you know. For you to commit and for you to be, you know, to have that continuous passion that you were talking about, mm-hmm. you also need uh, to be able to, you know, fill your your well. What's what I call the well, right? Mm. The well, the well is like your energy reserve. Yeah, right. The well is, you know, that where you get your passion from, where you get your competitive your competitive juice from. Yeah. Like for you, you know, like every week I, I used to drain that well. That well used to be empty on uh, after my race. That yeah. well is empty. I've exhausted all my all the things that I that I that I was preparing for. I mean that I that I, all the training that I did, all the mental, physical, you know, competitive juices, all those things. I spent that on my race. So I needed to replenish that. So what, what did I do? I unplug. Right, I do other things. What things that I that I'm that I love, that I'm, that I find, you know, that I, I find meaningful, mm-hmm. you know, connecting with my family and my friends, you know, getting a milkshake, those things. Like, so yeah, you're, you're things. absolutely right. And not, yeah. And, and taking time off and I love this. I, <laughs> I love this. I'm trying to find a better way to cover this, but it's, it's so well said. It's so well put that we need to, not only be extremely competitive and on the field, be very competitive, but also off the field. You know, we need time to step back because there's a quote that I really love. You can't pour with an empty cup. Absolutely. You know, you, you have to give it energy, give it feel so that you can pour. Um, 
Love it. And I think this is sort of just concludes this brilliant podcast. And I just have sort of two last questions for you before okay. we sign awesome. off. The first question is a big one. How do you define your meaning of life? Yeah, you're like asking me the right time, I think, because <laughs> like I'm, you know, fasting right now. Yeah, it's the yeah, mo- the exactly. holy month of Ramadan. Ramadan, yeah. You know, uh, so I want to give a shout out to everyone that's fasting. Yeah, of course. Um, all, the, all the most uh, M- MSA. Yeah, right? all the MSA most, students and yeah, anyone that's fasting, you know, too. Yeah, yeah. So you know, for me, like finding meaning, the way I find meaning in my life is thinking outside of myself. Mm. You know, I, I, for me, what I f- struggle against, especially living in the U.S., is this idea of individualism, mm-hmm. right? That everything that you, every, like, every way that you look at the U.S., every metric, right, um, every aspect is always looking at, at the individual, mm-hmm. right? What's your credit score? You know, what's your, you know, uh, what college do you go to? Like, all yeah. those, like, everything is Labels. Ab- about the individual. Yeah. We never talk about communal stuff, communal values. We never talk about community goals. You know, my meaning, the way where I find meaning or how to find my meaning is in relation to to others. I, I, I you know, I'm always, I, I love being part of a community. Mm. You know, being Muslim, that allows me to be part of a community. Mm-hmm. Right, being an international student or interna- former international student. Yeah. Right, Um being someone, uh, you know, having a big family. I have yeah. seven siblings. Wow. Um, you know, and, and like, I owe, you know, I, for me, I cannot, like, my life would be void of meaning. Of, it will have no meaning if it was just about me. Like, I'm living my life for my parents, you know, who yeah. didn't have any, couldn't, couldn't live, the, live out their dreams. Right? I'm, I'm like, living my, uh, my life for my younger sister who's a college student. Mm-hmm. Right, I want to. I want to do right by by everyone that I come across. Right, I want to have like you know. I I want to cultivate a sense of community. Yeah, with people that I'm close to, but people that I don't really know. Yeah. I, like I, to me, we you know we are all at the end of the day we have we're all humans. Yeah, you know, and and if we see each other as more alike than different. Yeah, then I think that's going to bring us a lot closer. Um, yeah. you know, so I I think like my life's meaning is, it's. Thinking, knowing that I, there's things that are bigger than me, right? I'm I'm part of a bigger, a bigger world, right? I'm not. I'm you know the world doesn't revolve around me. Love that. Yeah, like I'm I'm a Love small that. part. <laughs> Love that. You're I'm a small part, part of this. Part know? of this massive community. Yeah. Love that. Exactly. And the last question for you is, if there's one sentence, if there's one thing you can say to the listener, what would, what would it be? Well, I, you know, any listener that's out there, you know, first of all, I would just say like Channing is, <laughs> brings so much passion and, and creativity <laughs> and also like really intentional thinking behind this podcast. So thank you. You know, I, really I would just say like, it. appreciate the host, you know, I appreciate oh, thank it, you so much what Channing is doing. I appreciate you coming today. <laughs> it's so much knowledge. I was just taking notes. And yeah. And, and then, you know, for, I would just say like, for me, like, you know, we often talk, oftentimes we talk about, um, you know, the words, like mm-hmm. we, uh, for me, I, I really, I'm intentional about action. Like I think, think about any, anyone that's out there, think about the, the impact that you want to have on this world, right? And, and make small actionable steps 
to accomplish that. Right? Don't just speak about I want to see a, a world that's you know that that I want to you know leave this world a better place than I than I found it. Yeah. Be about that. Be about it. Show it. Right? Mm-hmm. Like dedicate you know a time, dedicate an hour, two hours, three hours a day to to making your impact, to leaving a legacy in this world. Right? Um, and you know that's that could be a, a way someone finds meaning. Right? Is that Definitely. they they like want to leave a mark in this world. Mm-hmm. And and instead of you know talking about it. You know, do take small but yet actionable steps. Mm-hmm. You know, action. War. You know, you know, uh, action speaks louder than, words, louder than right? words. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, so that's that's that will be my my sentence, my advice, my. That's also for me. I'm I'm telling that to myself as well. <laughs> right. And instead of complaining about all the things that are going wrong in the world today, take small steps in fixing that. Fixing that. Exactly. You know, from your, from your, from you, from where you are, mm-hmm. you don't have to go across continents. You don't have to go across, you know, across the U.S. to do it. Do it. Start. You know, I, I'll leave it. I'll leave it with this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of my favorite uh, traditions. You know, hadith. Hadith is like a, 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 a tradition that's from a narration from the Prophet, yeah. Prophet Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that charity starts at home. Mm. A lot of times we think about charity as like giving to other so people, the entire community, yeah. You know, to other communities. Yeah. It starts at home. So, like, fix the things that you want to do. Start small and start in your own home city, in your own at your own school, in your own life, and then like extend that to other things, to other places, to other people. Yeah, yeah. You gotta start somewhere. Absolutely. Love it. Love, absolutely love it. Thank you so much for coming. This has been an absolute journey, absolute ride. Learned so much from you today. Just, just sitting in front of you today, and just, you know, just, just, I'm just enjoying this time. You know, I'm saying (laughs) I don't even need to stress about asking questions because you just bring up so many good points, and there's always something to follow up to dive deeper into. And I just absolutely love this. And um, did you have a good time here today? I had a, I had a blast. I had an absolutely great time. You know, I appreciate. I really appreciate, appreciate you coming. In. Really yeah. appreciate that we, we got this done. And for listeners, thank you all so much for joining. And we will see you in the next episode. Bye bye.